Inside the halls of American hospitals, millions of people find comfort, healing, and support. But for many doctors and nurses, this couldn't be further from the truth. This podcast will dive into the shadows of American healthcare to investigate and uncover the abuse, control, and political power plays that leave the very people responsible for our nation's health broken and battered. We're sharing stories of professionals in medicine that have experienced horrendous treatment at the hands of a broken system that does nothing to stop the trauma. As the Association of American Medical Colleges states, long before the Me Too movement, women in medicine have instinctively banded together to counter a culture that too often tolerated harassment. From systemic trauma to abusive power to the unspoken rules of cover-ups and corruption, Mandy Irby and Phoebe will take you to the darkest corners of healthcare in America so you can have an inside look at bringing humanity back to medicine. Sensitive content warning. This podcast will share details of triggering subjects such as sexual assault and workplace violence. So if you aren't in a space to listen, respect your mental health and tune in again at another time. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Pulse Check Podcast. I'm Hehe, And I'm Mandy. And today we are diving into the very intense and somewhat sad, somewhat shocking, somewhat, oh my God, what is going on case of Redonda Vaught, the nurse in Tennessee who actually has been sentenced to some jail time for a medical error. Mandy, what the hell? Ah, hold on, hold on. She's not been sentenced, right? She found, she was found guilty. She was criminally prosecuted and convicted of gross neglect and negligent homicide on March 25th. She faces up to eight years in prison, but she won't be sentenced for a couple more weeks, I think. Now I'm skipping ahead, but Mandy, did you see the video clip of Redon after her trial and she's looking in the camera teary eyed and she says, it's very clear from everyone that was in that courtroom that they don't know shit about medicine and they don't give a fuck about nurses. And that broke my heart. Like I have full body chills even saying that right now because I believe her. Yeah, this is a hot topic. We're not going to bring in any like brand new cutting edge. Like we don't, we don't have any exclusive interview with Redonda, but I think it is heavy right now. In the last two weeks, it is been intense and it is kind of shocking, not shocking, I think for nurses to hear this. And a lot of folks are really sitting with that because they've known that people who work in healthcare have those feelings all the time of there are few people who really understand what we do. And it's very obvious that most of the healthcare system doesn't give a fuck about nurses. And it's, infuriating and sad and lonely, dangerous. I mean, there's so many things coming up because nurses are what makes healthcare happen. And we're not at a point where we can delegate all of the nursing tasks to computers, to AI. We're not there yet. And it's not just a feeling of they wouldn't be anything without us. It's also this really scary, they're going to use nurses as a scapegoat to benefit any chance they get. And this is one example. This has happened before. I was watching Professor Jen, who we've had 
on the podcast before I was watching her talk about a previous case, I think in the eighties or nineties about nurses going up for criminal charges. And it's always a system issue. I mean, not always, it's not always a system issue, but specifically in this example, it is a systems issue. I just am so heartbroken for her that she made an honest human mistake and now she's going to jail for it after working through a pandemic, after dedicating her life to her patients, after dedicating her life to medicine and nursing. It just makes me so sad. Medical errors happen. You know, I mean, we're human. We're all human. You talk about relinquishing this control to AI. My initial instinct is like, do we even want that? Do we even want medicine to be governed by technology? You know, you and I both come from L&D and I don't see the progression in L&D with technology, right? And I know there are definitely places that that AI and technology have advanced it to a place where human skill will never and would have never been able to get without technology. But do we want to remove the majority of human interaction in medicine? And my gut instinct says, absolutely not. When I go to the hospital, I don't want a robot taking care of me. I want a human. I want a nurse. I want someone that I can ask questions to, not technology. And this just makes me so sad. You know, medical errors, they certainly cost us a lot of lives. And this, I think, is something that has been well studied for decades before this. There are also structures and um, systems in place to prevent these errors, to report these errors, to keep people accountable. And I think that underneath it all, the very bottom line for me is what damage did this trial do going forward in nurses really reporting their errors and being supported in that. You've got to be able to report the errors that you make so that A, they can be fixed. B, you can learn. C, the nursing industry can learn. And we can't be punished every time. The answer is not punishment every single time. What that does is then creates a culture where no one's going to report anything. That is already kind of the culture. It's already a little bit of the culture or maybe a lot of bit of the culture where hush, hush, you don't report your medical errors as long as like no one's going to notice and no one's going to die. Like, okay, let's just brush it under the rug and we don't really say anything. And I'm super duper scared that this case has just traumatized so many nurses to a place where now they are going to be so scared to report medical errors that they may not do it at all. Yeah. I, I don't see most people not wanting to report. The idea of reporting is to be better. It's supposed to be kind of like a non-blame. So it's not supposed to be punitive when you report, it's supposed to be learning opportunity. And it can be punitive when they tell everyone that you did this and now we have to learn from you just by the way it is. It can feel that way and it can feel awful, but it's supposed to be kind of an open Um, communication system to keep everyone safe. There are so many systems in place. So if you've been under a rock and you've not been on all the 
TikToks and Instagrams and world news uh, that's been going on in the nursing world recently, then you should go check out some of the links that we have below. We have nurse Erica, nurse Nander uh, reporting on this. Every nurse influencer is reporting on this right now. And it's all over the news outlets because it was public. But Radon Devot, a former Tennessee nurse, killed a patient in 2017 by administering the wrong drug. And she was criminally prosecuted on March 25th. It was at Vanderbilt. There were so many conflicts of interest in the case that we're not going to specifically get into today, but there were conflicts of interest around the, the DA, the participants associated with Vanderbilt in the case. And Vanderbilt itself somehow got away with making it so that the jury didn't know that they paid the um, victim's family after the fact and required them to sign a non-disclosure. So I think that that's big information. I think Vanderbilt is very used to getting sued for hurting patients and their team is very experienced. Their um, legal team is very experienced at and very good at keeping Vanderbilt afloat despite the injuries that have happened inside of Vanderbilt. So this isn't new to them. And they knew how it might look to see that Vanderbilt like covered the case, didn't report it, told the coroner what had happened. The coroner just took it as their word that it was um, natural causes. And then they didn't report it to the state. And then the board, Redonda's nursing board, didn't investigate at first because it was all a systems error. It wasn't Redonda Vaught trying to harm someone. It wasn't Redonda Vaught stealing medication or doing something intentional to harm. There were so many problems in the system. The med machine was broken. There wasn't a scanner in the area. There were so many issues. Nurses are talking about if there were enough nurses, she wouldn't have been pulled off her unit to give a med in a place that she's not used to giving meds. Why was there no one monitoring the patient after a med was given? Even if it was the right med, why was there no one monitoring a patient who came from the ICU? So many issues. It also makes nurses really, it makes me scared to hear that because that's not a me thing, right? Like if that were me, that wouldn't have been a me problem. Yes, I was part of the problem, right? So yes, the nurse is part of the problem, but there's so many systems put in place so that med errors don't happen. There's armbands, there's double checking, there's locked drawers, there's scanners, there's double checking by the pharmacy. There's the order is written by somebody else. It's checked and checked and checked and checked. The nurse does save a lot of med errors, prevent a lot of med errors by their double checking, but so does every single part of that system. So I have seen the culture around reporting is and should be report everything. Now I was burned as a bedside nurse. You report things, nothing happens. You report things, nothing happens. The reporting is, takes a long time. The process takes a long time. So I'm talking about anything. I'm not talking about med errors. I'm talking about anything that happens like a near miss. You are supposed to report near misses. You're supposed to report everything that could potentially be improved. So that's like uh, cruelty by a coworker. It's all kinds of things you can report and they encourage you always report it always through their internal system. When I was told that an email is discoverable 
that made me think that internal reporting isn't discoverable, right? However, niece at your nurse lawyer, who we'll link down below, is an educator on legality and nursing and a follower on Instagram. And she's got really interesting stuff right now about this case. And she said, keep reporting, keep reporting. And I was in this thread and I was like, wait a second. And everyone was asking my questions. So I'm like deep in this thread. And she was answering these questions saying, I'm not saying report and print everything because you're not allowed to take your report outside the system. In my experience, and a lot of nurses that were in this thread were saying they don't give you a copy. Sometimes they'll give you an email that says, thanks for reporting, confirmed that we got it. That's it. You're not supposed to make a copy. There's no way to download it. There's no way to print it. Like they've taken all that away. Once you send it, whoop, it's gone. And it can be this, it can be this like long form at the end of your shift. You're kind of like just telling the story because it doesn't go in the chart. It doesn't go in an email. They say, put it in this report. And so it sounds like everyone's hearing very similar stories, like put it in the report. We'll deal with it. Thank you so much. We're going to deal with it and like shred it is kind of how it seems. Cause you never hear about it often. Sometimes you get questioned about it later on, but it, it doesn't instantly mean everything changes. And so I thought it wouldn't be discoverable. I was like, how is that going to help my patient? How is that going to help me save my ass? Because she was talking about making changes report everything would help make changes. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, that's not tracking because that wouldn't require the hospital to be like, oh, we want to make a change. And that's not happening right now. Right. Like you're having lower pay, less nurses, more problems going on. Um, things aren't getting better. It doesn't feel like, and she said, I didn't say print the report, like don't do anything. Don't break the rules, but a good lawyer. And she was insinuating that Redonda bought needed a better team. A good lawyer would request those reports and could get them. So this is not legal advice. I don't know. Just a discussion. Have you heard that? What do you think? What's it like in your place of work for listeners who are also confused by this? I just find it so flabbergasting that the hospital doesn't allow you to have a copy of your own words of what happened in your experience. Oh, there's, there's patient information in there. There's policy information in there. There's stuff that they don't want out. Like you can't keep patient information. You don't want to break HIPAA at all. That is not, that is not the goal here. The goal is not to keep track of your patients. And you can't tell me that with the technology that we have today and the money that these hospital systems have, that they can't put in a system that will give you a copy of your report that is redacted and HIPAA compliant. I just don't believe it. Of course they can. Yeah. You can do that. You just don't want to build that system. Don't try and blow smoke up my ass saying we can't do this. Yes, we can. Why don't you redact it and you keep what is private private, but I need a copy. This is my report. I just find that bizarre. It, it is, it feels icky. It feels one. Of course, of course, of four. it feels really unethical. It feels really wrong, but nurses are unlearning all the bullshit right now. This is a really important time for nurses to keep their ears open. It is not straightforward right now. Yeah. And why we have been taught to cover up for hospitals. 
we have been taught to promote the hospital's well-being. Number one priority, hospital's well-being. What's their bottom line? Money. They are a business. I don't care if you call it a not-for-profit, non-profit. They are making money. They are investing billions. They are paying their people billions on the boards, all their investors. They are paying lobbyists. They are making laws to promote them and benefit them. If we only knew. We are a very malleable pawn if we come from nursing school, medical school, college, medical school, residency, inside the hospital, they're training us. They're all related. They all kind of monopolize our education. And then we learn these are the ways to do it. And we don't learn why. And we don't really learn prioritizing our bottom line, our number one, which is ourselves, our license, our ability to work our patients. So we're not, we always say like, we're not working for fun. We're on the clock. This is not my, this is not my volunteer job. I'm on the clock. I'm working. We are doing this to provide for our family, to feel passionate about what we do, to make positive change in the world, whatever your bottom line is. And also the patients were there for other people. We have to protect ourselves. We have to protect our license, our ability to work, make money for our family do what we love to do. We're there to help protect our patients and the communities that we're in. Not all of the things that we are taught and told by hospitals do those things. Often they are protecting and upholding the hospital's bottom line. That's murky. That's why all of this to say, everyone's like, well, this isn't legal advice. What the fuck do I do, Mandy? I don't know what the right answer is right now for every single situation, but I do know this is the time to be learning and we're learning outside the fucking hospital systems get out, not, not leave your jobs. We're not burning it down. We're going to have to have healthcare. They're going to have to have nurses. We're going to have to be safe doing our jobs. There are people talking about unionizing outside of healthcare. There are people talking about how to protect and save your license. I've heard a lot of talk about, do I need insurance? Do I need insurance to protect my license, practice insurance? All of these discussions can and should, and are happening outside of the hospital. And we know now we're not getting that information from our hospital. Our hospital is not there to help us protect our license. Redonda Vaught lost her license in this process. And it has all been not because she reported it, not because she made a med error, because of how Vanderbilt covered it up. Yeah. They're not here to help Donda continue to be a nurse and get better. They yeah. didn't report it. And doesn't that say that they thought, oh my gosh, maybe we were at fault for this Totally, because reporting a med error is what you do. There are hundreds of thousands of med errors all the time. Med errors happen. And they do kill people. She's not the first they person do. to kill someone with a med error. It happens all the time. We'll link something in the bottom, but the most accurate numbers that we have, they, they estimate anywhere from 50,000 to 150,000 deaths every single year due to med errors. Redonda Vaught is just one tiny fish in a big pond of a bigger problem. Right. And she's paying the price for everybody. She's paying the right. price for a big hospital system that could have done the right thing, that truly had the resources and the money and the reputation. Vanderbilt's got the reputation. You have the eyes, you have the respect. The world knows who Vanderbilt is. Yeah. And you could have done the right thing. And instead 
you let a nurse go down for something that happens all the time. I just feel so gut-wrenched for her. I'm not even a nurse and I have cried so many times over this because I feel gutted for Redonda Vaugh and her family. I just feel so bad. It is absolutely, I truly don't have the words. I can't even fathom what it must feel like to dedicate your life to a hospital and then they turn on you like this because you were following the rules. You did what you were supposed to do. You did what you've been taught to do. You recognized your own mistake, reported it, and said, I want to get this fixed. I want to learn better. I want to do it differently next time. Also, hey, there's a lot of problems internally that we could have avoided this in the first place had these problems not been here, had there been a scanner, had we had enough staffing, had I not been taken out of my regular unit. And she's yeah. paying the price for that. That sucks. Yeah, that's that says a lot. It says a lot. And and it's very, it's just a powerful message for everyone in healthcare to understand like insurance or not mistake or not the, the Swiss cheese model of like, there's always going to be a ball drop. There's so much going on. It's high stakes. You work long hours. Like there's so many reasons why mistakes happen. There's human error. There's distraction. There's so many things that like really great people do. You're never going to have the power and influence and money and access that the healthcare system has as an individual or even as a group. I think it's an opportunity this whole past three years, it's been an opportunity to really change how you look at your job, your role, your license, your safety your facility. And I love that people are moving around, leaving, traveling, trying things out, which means we as healthcare professionals are flexible. We are really putting together what our priorities are, what our bottom line is, and we have to prioritize that. And I think that is going to make massive positive change for everyone. I think the outcomes are going to be better for patients in the long run. They're going to be better for healthcare in the long run, but right now it's rocky. And super scary, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure every single day, nurses that are still bedside, when they go to work, you must feel a little bit like someone's like watching over your back. You must feel a little on edge, like shit, if I make one mistake, that's not good for errors either. Oh, it's not safe for anybody. Imagine the mental stress, the emotional stress and what that does to you being able to care for patients. You know, it, it reminds me of when you get really flustered and you can't even uh, complete a very simple task. If you were to just take a deep breath, reset yourself, you could get that bottle cap on. You could get that thread through that needle. You could do these very tiny tasks, but when your brain is on overdrive and you feel threatened, I mean, we don't want anybody practicing in a constant state of fight or flight. Although that is what we've had for the last couple of years, thanks mm -hmm. to the pandemic. And it's often what we see in OB, right? People practice from a state of trying to avoid litigation 
and look at it. Look at what it has done to our stats in the birth world. If we don't think that that is not going to transfer to the rest of healthcare, then honestly, we're all just standing around with our heads up our asses. It absolutely will. We are going to see the entirety of medicine deteriorate like L&D has if this becomes, you know, the the, the culture going forward. It just is, it's gotta be so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as Ernie says, report everything, report everything. There is that level of, but what would, but what's going to happen, but what, what will happen to me as the individual? What, what will come of it? If, if, and when you do start reporting, even the little things that you haven't reported before, if you're thinking, I'm going to track the report number. I'm going to journal just the report number and the date, if that's what it is. And this is an advice. I don't know what the right answer is. And I do think that you should consult with someone who does legally with whatever license you have, protecting yourself. Don't break HIPAA. Don't break the rules of your hospital because that'll be the first thing they go after is you broke our rules. You're, you went against policy. You're on your own. We can't do it. We can't help you. Not like their support is going to mean a whole lot anyways, but I know that they threaten that. That's why you do follow policy and you understand the policy and you push back on policy if it's wrong, because that's kind of the standard that the hospital sets. And then their standard of care for your license and your profession. And it all should be very clear for every professional. And I know that it's not, and it's not at the forefront because we are taught to prioritize the hospital's bottom line or the healthcare facility's bottom line. And so I hope that that is changing for you in your mind. And it should be, it, it feels really heavy and it feels like a lot of responsibility and scary and confusing. Like, who do you trust? Where do you go? Where do you find this information? And, and like you said, resetting your nervous system to be able to continue to do your job is also number one priority and be able to continue to think rationally, like what's next for me? What do I do? Where do I go? And I was just talking with the founder of debriefing the front lines, Tara, she runs a nonprofit and she says that there's been this influx of requests for processing debriefing consults. And they do for free debrief consults with other professionals to just debrief and listen on the phone. I don't know if it's a video chat, but it's, it's like all of this stuff is up and I can't go back to work until I let it out. And I have to let it out to someone who kind of gets it. And it's a place where you can go and do that. So that's debriefing the front lines. And that'll be a link down below to help you reset your mental health and reset your nervous system so that you can move forward because we have to keep moving forward, right? We have families, we have lives, we have rent, we have passions and hobbies, and this isn't us, but we do have to figure this out. And I love that we're doing it as a community in healthcare. And I hope that, that, that sticks and other folks are realizing we need the help and support now. Me too. I mean, it goes back to that moral injury that we talked about in yeah. episode five of, you know, you can't just go to the bar and just talk about your job with another nurse. It, it doesn't quite work like that. You know, we're in, we're in healthcare, which is an industry that requires privacy and confidentiality. And also it's an industry that not everyone understands. And I think that that, I think that's huge. I can't wait to talk to Tara. My question is, 
I saw Nurse Sybil, who we had on an episode oh, yeah. 20, talking about a couple of things that she was doing to kind of reevaluate her nursing practice, her personal nursing practice. And one of them was to tell the people around you, no, when they ask you to do things that you know you're not supposed to, but they're asking you not to get you in trouble or not because they don't want to do it, but because you're so short staffed, they're asking for help. She was talking about, you got to learn how to say no. You've got to learn how to say, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable doing this. What is something else that I can do that I can do for Mm -hmm. you that's not going to get us both in trouble? And you do the thing that you're trying to kind of offload on me. And I think that's huge. I think just going back and reevaluating how the system has conditioned you to break the rules internally because of the stress and struggles they've put on you. You don't have enough colleagues. So internally, they've encouraged you to cover each other's ass, to do all these things. But then when it comes down to it, your hospital system's not going to say, hey, well, whoops, we actually did tell them to like use a team approach because we didn't have enough people. They're going to go, well, sorry, it's written down right here that you shouldn't have been doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that is, I think that's a, a really clear message that we all got from the Redonda Vault case is that, you know, she was doing things that at the end of the day, I think we all can agree probably wasn't what she should have been doing but it was asked of her from the hospital system. It's not like she volunteered and she was like, I'll do this for, I'll do this. Don't worry about it. I'm just sitting over here in the corner. Someone right. her to do this, take that patient up, give this medicine. She did it in the hospital, threw her under the bus and they, they ate her lunch. And that's sad. It's probably been asked a lot of times and it was totally normalized to like mm-hmm. pick up slack, do this one thing, this one time. When you talk about culture, that's so important. When when we push back, it's not just a pushback to protect ourselves. We're pushing back against a whole culture. Who's going to be like, why are you trying to make it hard? The more work I do in learning about uncovering the systems under white supremacy and my work toward being anti-racist and acting anti-racist and how much the culture inside of healthcare is based on those white supremacy culture pillars of like this urgency. Everything has to be done so fast. And, you know, you think if it has to be done so fast, give me the resources to do it so fast. With the resources I have, I can do it this fast, right? Because my bladder will explode. (laughs) I would be giving meds without an order. I would be calling pharmacy and asking for an override. I would be putting in meds without an order. I would be not doing a full, a full intake on someone that I've never taken care of. So I don't, you know, half their stuff's in the computer, half of it's not. We're going to be getting meds without, without allergies in the computer. We're going to be giving meds without a weight in the computer. Everything has to happen so fast and it becomes so normal to just go grab that. And then our nervous systems can't tell, wait a minute, is this a real emergency or are we just hurrying? Am I giving a life or death med or am I just hurrying? And do I have to hurry because there aren't enough people to get back to my patient, right? Like 
it doesn't have to be a hurry every day. It doesn't have to be this every day. It doesn't have to be these little asks that turn into normal, that turn into, this is just, you know, if you're part of a team, you have to pull your weight. So go pull all the meds, go give all the meds, go watch someone else scan them or it becomes normal and it becomes the responsibility of a good team member. And it is twisted and it's not okay. And it's, it go, it's so far. It's like an abusive relationship. Like you start over here and you're like, well, I just made concession that one time and it was fine. And it felt weird, but it, it all turned out fine. And then you do it a thousand times and suddenly you're stuck in this quicksand and you're like, how did I fucking get here? And everyone on the outside's like, how did you fucking get there from the inside? It's these like little tiny little steps, these little breadcrumbs. And you're like, well, I guess this one time, and actually this one time it is an urgency. So I, you know, I do need to go grab that thing. And when someone out from the outside looks at it, what's frustrating and what's so maddening is that you were told every time to do that and you were told it was fine. And you were told this is what has to happen from that, from the inside, from your manager, from the provider, from your teammates, from everything was telling you to do that. But that part of the story is never part of the story. And like, from this case, we can see that shit doesn't matter. So we have to really recognize that in our own culture. It's so great to hear folks from the outside, talk about it. Like not from in your culture, talk about it. Like, oh my God, that's everywhere. Oh my God, that's a real problem. And we're told that it's fine. Just participate and be a team player. And what you really need to do is I'll do it in 15 minutes when all the steps are in place. And that's the thing is like, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be a wave maker. Like people are going to get angry and annoyed and frustrated with you but you're the only one that has your own back, right? Like nobody else has your back. Even your best friend on the unit. They should be promoting your back. Exactly. But they're not, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think we're going to see that right now. That should be the, that, that should be where it's at. Your best friend on the unit should be promoting your back. Your best friend on the unit is going to be like, all right, get your ass up. We got to go waste this. And I need you to see it. I know, I know you trust me, but I need you to see it. Just see it. Just do it. Let's just do the thing. Because then when you're asked about it, you know, no, every time I do the thing, it's not a question and it's annoying because we have to chart and it's annoying because we're asked to do too many things. That's the annoying part. The annoying part isn't the wasting with two eyes and two fingers and two codes and like actually doing it. That's not the annoying part. The annoying part is that I have too much charting. I don't have enough time to do all the things that I have. And I don't have enough support to do them. That's the problem. But how sweet is it that you would be known as, no, I know Mandy does that every time because she annoys the shit out of me every time because I have to get up and do it with her. Absolutely. Slap me on the ass and call me annoying because you're not going to tell me that I did something wrong. I'm getting a friend up every single time to make sure that there is a witness. I think there's something to be said that, you know, Redonda did not have a single disciplinary action in her file leading up to this. Mm -hmm. And they fired the woman, they took her license, and she's likely going to do jail time now, you guys. First offense. A well, true, honest. It's not about that. Someone to take the fall, and Vanderbilt exactly. knows how to not take the fall. 
And that mm. is at the very bottom line. That is the message I want healthcare professionals to take away is that you're the only one that has your back. So you've got to start reevaluating your personal practice because the way that the system wants you to practice is literally setting you up to walk into a trap at any moment whenever they need to use you as a pawn. Exactly. It's not about you. It's not about patient safety. And it certainly is not about creating a better healthcare system going forward. And this case really does prove that. If we wanted to use Redonda as an example, we would have done that. We would have used this as an educational moment. We would have gotten all the big hospital systems, all the teaching hospitals. There would be conferences that were Mm -hmm. focused on this. There would be new technology that was coming out. And it's not. Instead, we turned it into a case of litigation and punitive measures for an incredibly honest mistake that at the end of the day shouldn't have ever happened if Vanderbilt had the right things in place to protect not only their medical staff, but their patients as well. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. And that's really shitty to hear and heavy to hear. And I know you've been hearing it. One of the thoughts I have is what if there was a way for us to determine someone's intentions. So of course, no nurse is ever going to be like, yeah, of course I intentionally messed that up. But what if the punitive aspect could be a little bit more targeted? Like if it was an honest mistake, kind of in this case where we know there were just so many things stacked against her, this couldn't possibly be Redonna's fault, quote unquote. Yes, she was the one that actually committed the act. But when we look at what led to that, there's absolutely mm-hmm. no way someone could say that Redonda, you know, did bypassed all of these systems, right? Exactly. They weren't even in place. I'm just wondering how much better our healthcare system would be if we could decipher what dis- what deserves punishment and what doesn't. And I don't think that right now, not only our legal system, but the hospital system just doesn't have this in place. And I just don't think it's a focus. It's like, if anything happens that could possibly bring us bad PR or possibly bring us litigation, then it's got to be punished. And that's not, I mean, we just know this from raising children. That's not how you do. Mm-hmm. It's not how humans learn. It's not how you move forward. It's not how you better things. Not everything has to be punished, but almost everything can be used as an educational moment. Well, this wasn't meant to be a punishment. It was brought up from an anonymous tip. So it could have been the, I don't know what the intention of the tipper was, but this was all completed from what I understand. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've just been reading and seeing all the public stuff Been reading a little bit on it. The CMS investigation, like the Medicaid, Medicare, CMS investigation happened. Vanderbilt wrote a report because they said, we're not going to pay you. You're not going to get 
Medicaid money anymore because of this accident. We see that you've made some errors, Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt's like, okay, what do we have to do? Because that would be, you know, financially ruined. And the CMS said, you have to write a report. This is what you're going to change and what you're going to do differently. And they did. And it was covered. And like all of that was covered where Don Devot didn't work there anymore. She had her license. I thought that that was just like sealed up. No one in this bigger picture knew the cover-ups that had happened by Vanderbilt. I call them cover-ups. I don't really know what happened. What I think happened was they just said, we don't know how this person died. Could have been this, could have been that. They're already sick. And they didn't do much of an investigation. Redonda did report, from what I understand, the med error. But that was not on the death certificate. So it sounds shady. That's why I call it a cover-up. I don't really know. But that was all kind of like handled and done until the tipper came out. But that's when more investigations started happening. So I don't think that Vanderbilt was out to get like punish anyone. They wanted it to be quiet. And I think the tipper came out. I don't know the intention of the tipper, but the tipper came out and said, hey, y'all, this is not how it actually went down. You need to read into this a little more. And that's when the investigation started. And that's when it kind of feels like Vanderbilt was like, nope, we're not going to take the fall for this. We covered this the way it needed to be done the first time. So let's put it on the nurse and make sure that no one knows that we paid the family. So how come this happened in 2017 and we're just hearing about it now in 2022? Has investigation been taken this long? I did know the dates, but I don't know the dates anymore. I know that some things were put off a little bit because of the pandemic. So like it started back up in 2020 and then a few things were pushed and then moved. But I think 2019 was when more information came out. Like it took, it could be 2018 or 2019, but it took a while for kind of, I guess the folks that knew the whole story to really feel like, oh, this is really it. So a lot went on afterward of like, sure, we're looking into it. And then the CMS had to look into it. And then the the nursing organization had to look at like the licensing organization had to look into it. Like there were a lot of steps that went on, but ultimately it seemed like because of the information that everyone had, it was found to be either a systems error or they didn't know all of the information is what it's, is what it sounds like. Yeah. So I think that there was a stall around 2020, but there were only a few months between the end of the event and the tipper calling in and saying, there's more to this story than we thought. I do wonder who that was and what their intentions were. I mean, I don't fault them. It looks like there was a lot of information left out of the story. And I can't assume that they were trying to get, like, who would know that all of the things that went on, Redonda would take the fall. They they would not be able to know that. It's really ugly. But also, I do feel for every healthcare professional who has a big error on the books Mm. and how that must feel. Because when it happens, it's awful. Or when you find out that something happened, that's awful, right? That is like the opposite of your goal. The opposite of everything that makes you, you 
that you could have hurt someone or you did hurt someone, or you potentially hurt someone, or even a near miss of, holy shit, the what if is, is huge. I know it makes people leave the, leave healthcare altogether. It is massive. And just the potential for that, or if it did happen, but also the fear around I'm on my own, you know, what, what's going to happen? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be found, you know, am I going to lose my license? Cause that's always the, the threat and the risk. And that's always talked about, even if it didn't happen and you're still working and you have that, like what's going to happen to all of those reports. I can imagine that those folks are really feeling, oh no, <laughs> are we just criminalizing everyone now? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, not punishing everyone and everything. There has got to be a way that we can filter out. The only way I know, and I don't know a ton about this. This is not my expertise. This is not my specialty. I know that there's a lot of investigation that goes on when there's like reports about narcotic med errors. So the, the potential for diverting narcotics. So when there's a narcotics error and there are patterns to narcotic errors or narcotic discrepancies or anything around narcotics for the potential of diverting due to, you know, someone taking the narcotic themselves, someone selling the narcotic, someone diverting the narcotic away from the patient or the system, like the machine. I know that there are systems for that, for like, not necessarily prosecuting, but definitely tracking. Those are kind of those intentional, more under the like addiction dependent realities of human error. But that's not a human error, right? That's the difference is like the human error of like getting caught up with an issue. Yeah. 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 That would be intentional. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And Redonda Vault made an honest mistake because she wasn't given the tools and resources to do her job properly. That is exactly what I'm talking about. There's got to be a way that, you know, but then you're looking at like criminalizing potentially every little thing and then doing an investigation around, was this intentional? Should it be criminal? I I think that the system should be held accountable. The facility should be held more accountable for it. And that's, I think what Rendonda meant by they don't understand and they're not, they're not giving the nurse the benefit of the doubt. They're just like pointing fingers. You can easily just blame, 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 blame. <sighs> what a mess. It really is a mess. It really, really is a mess. <laughs> For the past few weeks, if you've been following this case, and I hope that you will follow it because it does impact your your, your team, your license, your health, your ability to work. And it may not make changes happen in your workplace right now. So it may not feel like it's affecting you directly, but it will be affecting folks going to make laws, make things happen. It'll be affecting how nurses move around these systems. And I think that's really exciting, but definitely also take some mental health time because stuff's really hard to hear. And it's really a a big, my, a big brain shift to be like, Oh my God, I'm alone. And doing all these really hard things. You are as much as we feel like we are in a system, as much as we feel like, Oh, I'm not alone. I've got 
all of healthcare behind this me, that team. trauma bonding, right? Uh, we, mm. we were just through a pandemic. We're all in this together. We're not. Your mm. hospital system's not in it with you. And that is, that is apparent. If they were in it with you, our last two years would have looked totally different. But we are outside, outside. Yeah. We're all trying to learn it and promote all the others that are talking about it outside of the healthcare system with this outside perspective, with this bigger, greater good perspective. So tons of links down here. We definitely want to hear from you, whether you're feeling up, down, in between, we'll bring you on to talk about it with us. We need other perspectives. So we're open to all different kinds. You don't have to agree with us. We'd love to hear and our link for getting to be a guest on the podcast. Oh, it can also be anonymous is at Instagram pulsecheck.podcast. We're also on all the platforms now and we're on YouTube. So if you'd rather watch in two speed on YouTube or Apple or all the podcasts, all the places. I would love to hear how people are shifting their personal practice. I found um, Sybil's thing incredibly engaging. I was just so engulfed in it. I am not a nurse. And so I love to know how these things impact people on a personal level and what kind of changes you're doing in your everyday life, your everyday practice on your individual unit to make sure that you're not the next Redonda Vaught. Oh yeah. That's hard to hear. All right. We'll see you on the internet streets and we'd love to have you on the podcast. See you on Instagram and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We wanted to leave you with a quick stat and something to think about until we see you next time. According to a 2018 report from the national academies of sciences, engineering, and medicine, The prevalence of sexual harassment in academic medicine is almost double that of other science and engineering specialties. This presents a serious danger that ripples into patient safety, clinical outcomes, and burnout, which leads to costly loss of talent. How much safer could medicine be if nurses and physicians weren't also battling sexual harassment day in and day out? If you or anyone you know has a story to share, please contact us on Instagram at pulsecheck.podcast. We'd love to share your story.